Welcome to the Are Your Hands Full podcast, a step-by-step parenting podcast for your Jewish family. My name is Dr. S. Yaroslavitz, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, and I hope you are well. Welcome to Are Your Hands Full and Coronavirus episode number 11. It is highly recommended that you catch up on episodes numbers 1 through 10, if you can, to gain valuable coping information as we move through these very unique weeks. Simply access them by logging on to www.handsfullchinuch.com. For those of you who are interested in daily emails, you can request them on the website as well, or email me at handsfullchinuch at gmail.com. So we're going to continue with our empowering form of chizuk. That's the chizuk designed to stretch you beyond your perceived limits so that you can grow from this experience. This is, of course, not to ignore for one moment, chas v'shalom, those who are suffering while loved ones are struggling with this virus at home or in the hospital. And of course, Klal Yisrael continues to carry the pain for the so many who have lost close relatives and friends in this pandemic. We continually say to you, Hamakom Yenachem Eschem, because it is only Hamakom, the Rabbanishlelem, that can adequately be Menachem, those who have suffered so intensely through this Magefa. As an aside, I've long been wondering why the Pusuk that we say when we are Menachem Avel, others at a Shiva, starts with Hamakom Yenachem Eschem. Why doesn't it say Hakadosh Baruch Hu Yenachem Eschem or Hashem Yenachem Eschem? Why the name Hamakom? And I confess that I came up with an answer which I've never seen anywhere. Hamakom also means the place, meaning the place that a person is in at that time. The place that Hashem chooses to put a person in at that time, that exact place is the location to go to search for the Nechama. And we do find this a lot with Avelim. They attach themselves to the memory of the Nifter, the last place that they had in common with the Nifter, and they grow from there. For example, chesed organizations that match who the Nifter was, learning for the Nifter, growth in a certain midah that we know the Nifter represented, and so on and so forth. And that happens to the Avelim because of this connection that they forge with the Nifter. They grow, and through that growth, slowly, very, very slowly, over time, they attain Nechama. Because Rabban Shalalem, who is sometimes called Hamakom, sets up this place for growth and helps all Avelim accomplish ultimate Nechama through this growth process. So for those of you who are listening to this podcast who are Avelim from this pandemic, we all say to you, Hamakom Yenachem Eschem, Besoch Sha'ar Avle Tzion Yerushalayim. Lots of you have emailed me in response to this podcast series. I found it interesting to note the phraseology of these lovely thank you messages, things like, thank you so much for your podcasts. I'm really growing from them. Great. That's exactly the point. Growth. Stretch. Beyond what we think is possible. So now let's move to the growth process that is so necessary for those of us who are dealing with the daily grind in this new normal. For today, it's going to be a glimpse into the future to discuss how this learning system and stay-at-home system is going to affect the concentration and attention span of our children when they are going to have to go back to sitting in school for give or take eight hours a day. Any ideas of what this is going to look like? 
I'm not sure myself, although I must tell you that I have one eye on the research literature that is emerging on a daily basis and one finger on the pulse of what I hear from my clients and I'm slowly formulating thoughts and ideas. Here are some sneak previews. So first, let's learn a bit about the history of ADHD. Many parents often ask me during sessions, where did ADHD come from? Why are so many kids today diagnosed with ADHD? Why do so many kids have trouble concentrating? Why do so many kids have trouble sitting? And although the answer to that question presents itself with varying opinions in the research literature, all seem to agree that before the pandemic of 1918, there was no indication of a child who was developing normally, had normal cognitive function, but had difficulty concentrating and attending. Then came the Spanish flu pandemic of 1918. The difference between the pandemic of 1918 and the pandemic that we are going through now is that the 1918 flu, or as it was sometimes known as the Spanish flu, targeted individuals, younger individuals, primarily some children and adults ages 20 to 40. So in general, it targeted younger people. So I'm going to read a quote that was written by C. Strother in 1973 in an article titled Minimal Cerebral Dysfunction, a historical overview, which was published in the Annals of the New York Academy of Sciences, volume 205, which was dated February 28th, pages 6 through 17. He writes like this, and I quote, The modern history of ADHD begins after the flu pandemic of 1918. Some children experienced fevers due to the flu so high that they developed brain damage that affected their executive function only. Doctors and researchers then began to recognize a group of children who had never had the high fevers but still displayed executive function difficulties, the symptoms that we now associate with ADHD. After the influenza epidemic subsided, he writes, increasing numbers of clinicians began encountering children who had survived their infection but were exhibiting characters that would later be considered similar to ADHD. Clinicians described symptoms, suffer the restless children, that's what it was called, suffer the restless children, which described the evolution of ADHD and pediatric stimulant use. Stimulant is the medication they give for ADHD. He continues to write about children who exhibited, quote, antisocial behavior, irritability, impulsiveness, severe emotional swings, and hyperactivity, but without significant cognitive damage, unquote. That means that in all other ways, they are normally developing. This article refers to children who are not hospital brain damaged and were cognitively intact, but yet were irritable, impulsive, exhibited mood swings, and were hyperactive. This describes how ADHD was born. So then came the 30s, the war, the 40s, the 50s, and as time passed through the 60s and 70s and the rest of the years, more and more screens became part of our everyday life whether it was televisions, computers, and more recently, all sorts of phones and devices. It has come to a point where we are completely inundated with screens, which according to the literature, and may I remind you that this is secular literature, not tag and not Agadayalim Lahavdil, who state the following. I'm going to throw a bunch of quotes out. One, quote, too much screen time may be slowing childhood brain development. Young children who spend too much time looking at smartphones, tablets, or television screens may have reduced brain development 
in areas important for language and literacy, a new study has found, end quote. Here comes another one. Quote, the findings sound alarming. More screen time meant lower expressive language, less ability to rapidly name objects, and decreased literacy skills. There were also physical changes to the brain, specifically lower brain white matter integrity in a portion of the brain directly impacting language and literacy skills, end quote. Here comes another one, quote, a new study conducted by the Cincinnati Children's Hospital published in the Journal of American Medical Association Pediatrics found exactly what all that screen time is doing to your kid, or more specifically, your kid's developing brain. It turns out more screen time contributes to slower brain development, end quote. So all of these quotes were based on a recent article, very recent, published in the Journal of the American Medical Association, better known as the JAMA, Pediatrics, in January of 2020, before COVID. I'm reading from the abstract of this article. Question, is screen-based media use associated with differences in the structural integrity of brain white matter tracts that support language and literacy skills in preschool-age children? Findings in this cross-sectional study of 47 healthy pre-kindergarten children Screen use greater than that recommended by the American Academy of Pediatrics guidelines was associated with, one, lower measures of microstructural organization and myelination of brain white matter tracts that support language and emergent literacy skills, and two, corresponding cognitive assessments. So now I think we have a better understanding of why so many kids are having difficulty concentrating on the school conference calls. The more that children are exposed to the blue light and fast flashing images of screen time, the less white matter tracts they develop. For those of you who need clarification, just quickly, the brain, among many other structures, is composed of gray matter and white matter. Gray matter takes care of things like muscle control and sensory perceptions, such as seeing and hearing, uh, memory, emotions, speech, decision-making, self-control, and white matter which appears whiter because of the myelin sheaths that cover the nerves, is composed of bundles which connect various gray matter areas of the brain to each other and carry nerve impulses between neurons. This correlates with language, which is of critical importance when messages need to be sent in and out of the brain and even through thought within the brain. So if your kid becomes a visual learner through the quick clips that you keep showing him. For the many times you give him or her your phone to keep him quiet in a shopping cart, in a store, in a waiting room, or while you're getting your shaitel done, and then the teachers and rabbeim have to keep up with the entertainment aspect of this and make sure to carry the huge responsibility of keeping your child interested, then it gets to a point that a rebbe or a teacher has to be a circus clown in order to keep everybody learning. Along comes COVID-19. You're home. Kids home. No warning. No chance to get enough non-screen forms of entertainment into the house fast enough. So you pull out your old-fashioned sense of creativity and you use boxes, paper, scissors, and glue and you start to create. You also pull out puzzles, games, models, Lego models. Yep, you can even get the old instruction manuals that you lost free of charge by contacting Lego. Playmobiles, etc., and hopefully your kids rose to the challenge. One of my grandchildren created a ropes course for Playmobil sized characters. 
out of straws, pipe cleaners, cardboard, string, and a glue gun. It is solid like anything. It's usable. Honestly, I know I'm the bubby. I never saw something so magnificent in my life. And the details. That's development. And then Pesach came, and you did that too. Amazing. And now come the phone calls. Each kid has to get on the phone, sit, concentrate, learn auditorily only through the ears, not visually. Be self-motivated. And it's not so easy. Your child is not really an auditory learner, especially if the CDs and Noki radio have been replaced by visual clips here and there and kosher Jewish videos as treats. So you think to yourself, big deal, it's only another couple of weeks, and then they'll go back to school and this will pass. No, my friends, no, my friends, what does this tell us? This tells us that this problem of children not being able to learn in the absence of entertainment is a huge societal problem. It's a huge, humongous overall problem that existed way before COVID. COVID is just forcing us to look this monster in the eye. This monster is the barrier that's keeping our children away from opening a Gemara on their own and just enjoying the black and white page and the logic that it offers. It's keeping our kids away from books, from puzzles, from Sudokus, from word searches, from imaginary play, from spatial development through model building and coloring, from art development, from physical education, and all the good stuff of life. Think of it this way. Everyone knows that kids need to eat healthy food in order for their bodies to grow in a healthy way. We try to stay away from the junk because we know it's not good for them. Do we do the same for their developmental diet? Are we aware that children who read and do puzzles and build models and color and engage in imaginary play and engage in healthy physical activities will remain healthier from a developmental perspective? I think we are. So now we just need to follow through. Let us remember. This problem existed way before COVID. Talk to any Rebbe, any teacher. They will tell you how they have to jump through hoops to get your children to listen, to pay attention and concentrate. Think of what they put up with. Now that you have had the kids home all these weeks, you can just imagine. And then you get to PTA and the teachers are so polite. They tell you that your kid is doing fine and how much they love your child. That is probably true, but remember, they are comparing your child to 29 other kids in the class who are completely far-screened and far-clipped during the evening hours and over the weekends. This chinuch army is truly a bunch of tzaddikim and tzadkanios. It's amazing what they do. Let us not forget, this problem is not going away unless we focus on this, no matter how difficult, in our homes. And now, during these times, is a wonderful opportunity to get the screen away so that they use their other senses to develop. You can do it. Your child's future depends on this. Our school system in the future depends on this. Our yeshivas depend on this. Gemara learning depends on this. Tyran and Klal Yisrael depends on this. Stay strong. We are the women in Klal Yisrael. This is in our hands. We can do this. Stay strong, stay safe, and we'll be in touch. Mirza Hashem. Thanks for listening to my podcast. My name is Dr. S. Yaroslavitz, and I am the director of Handsful, which is committed to the provision of community education in the area of behavior management and cognitive development of children. Send me your parenting questions by going to my website at handsfullchenuch.com or by WhatsApping me at 718-714-8595. 
I look forward to hearing from you. And remember, no matter how impossible things may seem, the Earth will continue rotating on its axis.